Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. <laughs> hey, Rebecca. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I am good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is our second intro. That's why, but the first one was super awkward. This one's less awkward, so we're going to go with that. And let's dive in because I am going to give you some background on an episode that we actually recorded together in Memphis in June. Uh, we took a tour of Chermica Bridge's home in the Glenview District, Glenview Historic District, in fact. And uh, the tour was awesome. Her house is very historical. She tells us about the people who used to live there. And we look all around. But what we didn't talk a ton about with her was her neighborhood. Yeah. Which, by, for the record, was beautiful. It's right off of Lamar. Yes. On the right side. Uh, it's called Glenview. And uh, we, like I said, we did talk about it a little bit. But then um, I was looking into it more. And I came up with, like, pages and pages of stuff to tell you about it. Great. Let's and I think, yeah, I think before we play our interview with Tramika and before we play our tour, it would be good to talk about this history of the Glenview, Glenview Historic District. Please do. This neighborhood was established in 1908, and it's made up of actually like the historic district as it's now designated since either 1999 or 2000, is made up of two neighborhoods, the Glenview neighborhood and the Edgewood Manor neighborhood. But now it's just the Glenview Historic District. Uh, as you said, it's beautiful. So the borders are South Parkway East, Burlington Northern Railroad to the west, Southern Avenue on the north, and Lamar Avenue on the east. And then it used to be that the southern border, which is now South Parkway East, was Foster Avenue and the western boundary was 12 lots west of Barksdale Street. But um, that's, I guess, changed. And then, but the reason I want to mention that is because I did find an article from many years ago that said that the original concrete streetlights mm-hmm. uh, from 1926 with these like glass domes yeah. are still there at that southern boundary of Barksdale. Okay. The, so the original light um, streetlights. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if they're still there because I didn't know to go look for them when I was in Glenview and I'm now in Shanghai. But if anyone happens to know, and a really old article said they're there, so maybe they're still there. But I thought that was cool, 1926 streetlights. Yeah. Glenview is a really good example of early suburbanization. And I know we wouldn't necessarily think of it as a suburb now, but back in the early 1900s, it would have been of Memphis. And so it was built as part of the Memphis Parkway system. What is that? So the Memphis Parkway system is why we have the parkways. So they Uh were designed to be a route around the perimeter of the city. And it was supposed to be really scenic and like nice. And it was designed by a really famous landscape architect, Georgie Kessler. Um, And so basically, this was a way to make a beautiful city. It was part of something called the City Beautiful Movement, Mm -hmm. and the purpose was to make use of what's called street furniture, so like lampposts, parks, things like that, to beautify areas. Hmm. And so you have suburbs like Glenview that were popping up around that time, and they incorporated a lot of those elements like parks, really nice lampposts, 
that sort of thing. It's got houses from the 1910s to the 1940s, uh, but some as recent as 1997. And I'm going to run through the styles of homes in the area really quick because I know people who really enjoy architecture and home history. And if you want to go take a drive, these are the types of homes that you'll find. Yeah, they are real different. Yeah. Craftsman Bungalow, American Foursquare, Colonial Revival, Tudor Revival, Spanish Colonial Revival, Minimal Traditional, Cottage Style, and good old ranch style. Now, was that from oldest to young to uh, youngest? No. Okay. I got most, so I should say this, I got most all the information I'm going to share here from a website called livingplaces.com, which if you go there, it is a weird website, and it does not seem like the history website that it is. It's very hard <laughs> to understand what it is. I don't know. It's a very strange <laughs> website, but they have compiled very detailed histories of many neighborhoods around the U.S., um, and okay. they reference a lot of like press seminar articles and things like that. So it seems legit. I took most everything from there. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of those situations where if I could have just gone over to U of M and like mm-hmm. read through a lot of press seminar stuff, that would have really been better. But I'm yeah kind of limited to what I can find online. So pretty much everything comes from livingplaces.com. And um, I'll put the link in the show notes because there's so much that I can't even cover that any interested party could go read it gets deep yeah i can go back down um by there and take some pictures too oh yeah uh, of the neighborhood yeah i only got like one or two i think so that'd be awesome i can't guarantee that i'll get a picture of every type of house that you just listed no (laughs) that'd be a bit of a scavenger hunt but i'll do my best oh wow yeah some of that there should be some really cool spanish i think the spanish ones should be really cool yeah um, Actually, people want to contribute and send us a house of either of those categories would be great. Yeah. Send us your pictures. See it. Maybe you could see if those lampposts are still there. I'd like to. Yeah. So that's a long list of different types of houses, but it's actually, and you'll remember this from being there, there is a harmony to it all. Mm-hmm. Like everything does still seem like it really goes together. And that was planned. Yeah. Architects and planners who were making these neighborhoods and these suburbs at the time were really focused on uh, organic unity, coherent style, and just making sure like everything was in harmony. Yeah. In addition to like having harmony in the style of homes and like the size of them and how how they're represented in the neighborhood, the layout of the streets in Glenview is also particularly interesting. It's one of the first neighborhoods in in Memphis, I guess, or like it's in that first wave of neighborhoods that were built for cars. Oh. Yeah. So it's got a explain. I keep the thing that stands out to me the most that I remember the most is how beautiful the front yards were and the amount of space that they had, Mm -hmm. which makes me think like, okay, the deep driveways probably or, you know, and the street was really wide too, which it was visually nice to have that wide street. They're wide and tree-lined, mm. which we're about to get to the nature, like why the nature it looks the way it does there. But that those wide streets, and it's like Glenview has a particular type of grid pattern. There are like some curves in the road and things like that because cars could drive on curves, whereas like street cars can only go in straight lines. <laughs> So you get a grid pattern of a neighborhood, but it has these, like, curves in the road right. that differentiate it from, like, 
former neighborhood designs. And this, these curves and this like wide street and the trees and all of that was because neighborhood making in the early 20th century really emphasized, like I said, harmony and also blending in natural elements. So curves in the road are kind of like country roads, sort of pastoral. Hmm. It's organic feeling. And then you have parks and things like that inside the neighborhood. So it's, it's an interesting blend yeah. of like, early 20th century neighborhood making and creation and architecture. And also you can see how the introduction of the automobile changed how cities were being designed. Yeah, that is interesting. But the part that, but the intention and motivation of the park was for the community to be able to walk to the park though, or, or no. Yeah, it was for use. Like the parks are for use. There's also a little commercial area in that in that neighborhood. And so it was really meant like everything was kind of designed for you to be able to live your life there, which we've seen in other neighborhoods throughout history of Memphis. So yeah, parks, uh, little like hair places, um, teaser for a future episode. Clarence Saunders store is in yeah. Glenview actually. Hey. Yeah. Look at that. Um, originally white middle-class people lived in this neighborhood which we learned from Tremeka. So um, I'm going to kind of run through some of that history. It was small business owners, craftsmen, uh, professionals, like bookkeepers, salespeople. There really weren't any African-Americans in that neighborhood up until the 1960s. I mean, they would be like uh, sanitation workers or work crews or domestic help or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wouldn't have been living there. Two former Memphis mayors lived there, one named H.H. H. Liddy. 1917 to 1918, uh, and Rowlett Payne, 1920 to 1928. In the mid-1930s, there was an amateur theater group uh, who did summer performances in a home called Rose Arbor, owned by Alice G. Rosebro, and that was at 1780 Glenview. And one interesting thing about this is that on July 12, 1935, the Rose Garden Players, as they were called, uh, put on a Tennessee Williams play, the first one, in fact. The very first. Look at that. Yeah. His first play. He was actually studying at Southwestern College. So anyway, they did his play called Cairo, Shanghai, Bombay. Uh, I remember that. I remember Tremika tell, telling us about that. Yeah. Um, so those are some facts about the early period of Glenview. But an interesting thing is that the demographics of the neighborhood changed completely from the 1960s onward because it's a now it's a historically black neighborhood. So we're going to kind of get into how that shift happened now. Mm-hmm. So after World War II, we had the Prussian era, World War II, and like finally the economy starts to come back um, after World War II. And so that's when a lot of the work towards equality in the African-American community really revived mm-hmm. along with you know, coming out of the depression, coming out of the war. And a new generation of leaders were taking on like strong leadership roles in their neighborhoods and churches and furthering a lot of activism in the 50s and 60s. And we're going to see that play out in Glenview. Mm. So there's like a lot of like historical context of like the U.S. and Memphis going on at this time. And because we have like a whole next part of this episode to play, I can't get into all of it. I tried to pick the highlights just to like at least give some, I don't know, broader context. So like some of the stuff going on in 1955 in particular is that civil rights attorney A.W. Willis Jr., who we learned about 
for the book related to Universal Life Insurance Company. Mm-hmm. He established mutual federal savings and loan companies so that African-Americans could get home mortgages. So he was really yep. instrumental in creating home uh, African-American home buyers in Memphis. And so that, along with like the bigger political stuff going on, set the stage for integration in Glenview. There you have it. Right. But it didn't happen easily. Of course not. As we can guess. Yeah. As soon as rumblings began that uh, African-Americans were going to possibly move into this neighborhood, a few residents started the Glenview Plan, Inc., which was a corporation uh, by white homers in the area in which they would, and I don't understand how this worked, but they would buy some kind of stocks and that would help them have money to buy homes that other white people were putting up for sale in order to buy it from them and keep it and only sell it to another white person. The houses within that neighborhood? Yeah. So they were trying to like keep, basically keep houses off the market, I guess, so that they could control who they sold them to. Buy a stock kind of system? Yeah. Somehow they bought stocks to fund these purchases. I don't really understand okay. how it worked. So I, I did have a quote that I found on this website um, from a press senator, or no, not necessarily from press senator, from a 1956 newspaper article. It might have been press senator. It might be something else. And the attorney who helped found this corporation, he said it was to have a legal entity which can properly deal with the repurchase of property to let people know that Glenview is a good place to live in and to take further steps so that this sort of thing won't be coming up again. Hmm. So we've got the Glenview Plan Inc. going on with like white homeowners who are trying whatever they can do to keep uh, black homeowners out. So strange, but not really. Yeah. But the first black family moved in anyway. Yeah. I can tell you about them. You know who they are? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tell us about them. I do. And I know who the second and the third are too. All right. Yeah. So the first was Reverend Charles H. Bob Mason Jr. and his family. He was the pastor of the Church of God in Christ, which was partly founded by his dad, Bishop Charles H. Mason. And this is one of the largest Pentecostal churches in the nation and the largest Pentecostal congregations in Memphis. So he was a very influential person. Wow. Okay. Yeah. In 1956, uh, he purchased the house at seven or the house that was at 1755 Glenview Avenue. And I'm a little hazy on the timeline here. I think he purchased it. And then the Glenview Civic Club had a meeting and asked him to sell the house to some white people instead. He was asked to sell the house. Yeah. Okay. So, like, the story goes, he was like, okay, fine. Like, I don't want to have all this trouble about moving in. So he waited something like 18 months to move in. But, like, there was never a sale. Like, the Civic Club never arranged for him to sell it to somebody else. So in February 1958, him and his family moved in. Okay. So that's how the story goes, like, on this like I said, website that I found. So first they get a threatening letter. Oof. Then a cross is burned in their yard. Wow. And then Alice Roseboro, the Rose Garden Players lady, Tennessee Williams play. Mm-hmm. She, I found a quote from her in the Press Scimitar article about the Glenview Plan, Inc. And it says, and this was like right, uh, right after the cross burning. It says, he agreed to sell it to us at first, but now he says he will not. We have done everything we could to be polite and courteous about this, but now the people out here are inflamed. Wow. And this was in the 60s? 1958. Uh, 50, yeah. It gets worse. Uh, okay. So a week after that, Mason's church burns down. No. Yeah. 
And the police wouldn't rule it out, would not rule it as an arson, although obviously it was suspected to be and I guess pretty much assumed to be. I don't That's Mm -hmm. the feeling I got, especially because then a month later, his home was burned to the ground. The home in Glenview. Yeah. And the fire department did not rule out arson in that case. They said it was possible. It was possible. Did they really say it like it's possible? Yeah. His family was staying elsewhere Mm -hmm. because of all the other stuff going on. Like he had a rock thrown through his window, like obviously the church being burned down, like all that stuff. So like no one died. But yeah. his home was burned down. How long did they live through this? Do you know? Uh, not not very. I, I don't think they lived there very long because they moved in in 1958. And then I don't have dates here. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. I just, gosh, I'm sure just even a month felt like forever, you know, to be living I, yeah. in those kind of conditions. Yeah, I mean, the residents would, like, I mean, they resorted to violence often. Like, they put signs up to try to scare off black homeowner buyers, and the sign said, Cross Burning Road, Luxury Homes. Mm-hmm. So, I can't, like, even with all that going on, um, like, liquor bottles being thrown in yards, I mean... Uh, the signs. Yeah, the signs. Like, uh, some teenagers set off a bomb in Mason Jr.'s front yard at some point like even with all that going on like there is some documentation in i think the press senator particularly covered this issue over several articles and i did see there is some documentation that there was some conflict between two camps in the neighborhood the these like glenview plan inc people who are like really trying to keep black people out and then like some people who just wanted to move and sell a home Mm -hmm. or like weren't like into all the intimidation tactics. But as we'll see as we go through, I mean, people are overall beginning to sell their homes because like the one or two, three, like first black families moved in. And so they're like trying to get out while it gets good is kind of what their mentality is. Yeah. About all Because that. they really felt like it was, and I don't mind even saying this on the podcast because honestly, Caitlin, I didn't even know that this had still existed when I moved until I moved to Memphis and I understood the Southern culture and people said white flight (laughs) happened. And I was like, I can see the evidence of it and hearing stories like this, which weren't that long ago, you know, the fifties and sixties, that wasn't that long ago. And I mean, I know like, because I read, you know, articles, commentary written by people of color, like they still experience animosity often when they move into neighborhoods that aren't really that integrated yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, even today, yeah, maybe no one's burning crosses in their yard, although I bet that has happened. Apparently, know. that stuff still exists. They- I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, the, in this past year, you know, I'm realizing how, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm confident there are plenty of places where, like, crosses have been burned in yards like, uh, in recent years. I'm sure that that's happened. But, like, it's cra- it is crazy. But, like, people still, at minimum, can still feel a lot of animosity. Or, like, I've read of people saying, like, it feels uncomfortable to be the first family to move into the neighborhood. Can imagine. But if you want to live in the neighborhood, you do it anyway. And, yeah, like, this – I really think that's important to emphasize. Like, this is not that long ago. Like, there are plenty of people who remember – Mm-hmm. Like, who lived this and remember it? It could just, like, be shopping at a store with them and they could tell you about it. Yeah. If you knew to ask, you know? It's just crazy to me that people want to act like this stuff was so long ago. And that and that because it's not on the surface, like, extreme, mm-hmm. maybe all the time. Like, this, I don't know, they want to act like it's over. it doesn't exist at all. Or, like, now we're over. Yeah, it's, it's not over. Like, that's yeah. 
No. So the second black home buyer in Glenview was another prominent citizen. And we're going to hear from Chamika too. Like one of the things that she loves about the neighborhood is that it really was and is full of prominent black citizens in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Really important people in the community. Not only is it a beautiful neighborhood, but it really like the people that have lived. Yeah. Well, just her. It is such in itself. What she and her son have accomplished is a great example of exactly important people that have chosen to live in that neighborhood you know yeah uh reverend rw norsworthy was the minister at mount mariah baptist church and the uh memphis naacp leader look at that so he bought a house in the 1800 block of glenview so he was the second one yeah he's the second home buyer so the first home buyer was in the 1700 block Mm -hmm. so a lot of the like freaking out seem to be isolated to that section. But now that someone's in the 1800 block, like the freak out expands. <laughs> Just one extra person. Yeah. Okay. So the Glenview plan people would make statements and like say that the neighborhood wasn't suitable for black homeowners, even though like they were, I mean, the people who were buying and trying to buy houses during this time were solidly middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it should matter, but just to say like they were like on equal, if not above, like economic footing Yeah. Um, in many cases than like the current white homeowners. So they would advocate for various annexation schemes, like to say, okay, this section of the neighborhood black people can be in, but nowhere else, and segregation schemes. I mean, just like crazy. But then in 1959, Dr. and Mrs. Joseph W. Westbrook moved into the neighborhood. And they're interesting because Dr. Westbrook was later an area assistant superintendent of Memphis City Schools. Uh, So he was the first African-American to hold a school board position. Look at that. Yeah. And his wife, uh, they were both educators, and his wife was a project director with Memphis City Schools. Yeah. So they were like the uh, next people to move in. And then it just, it really started to shift because you had the white homeowners trying to get out, mm-hmm. sell their homes, and you had the black homeowners want, I mean, you know, like they they wanted to move into better neighborhoods for their kids, and like right. they wanted parks and things like that. And so like they they wanted to move into neighborhoods like Glenview. I collected a little bit of a who's who. Okay. So Ruby Kaufman lived on Netherwood Avenue and she was the first African-American writer for the commercial appeal. Look at that. She wrote for the women's page around 1969. Um, she was also a really high profile civil rights activist. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of civil rights activists in the neighborhood. Roscoe Williams lived on uh, Foster Street and he was one of the first black policemen in Memphis. Hmm. Um, Marion Carter and Joe Scott there were both I'm players sorry. for the Memphis. There weren't, he was the first black policeman? Yeah. It took that long to have a black policeman? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, that, yeah, wow. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that was a little late reaction. No, no, no. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. <laughs> so those two guys, Marion Carter and Joe Scott, they were players for the Memphis Red Sox. Uh-huh which was a baseball team under the Negro League. Okay. That's what it was called. It was very awkward to say, but I can't find another way to say it. So <laughs> Yeah. It sounds like now, if I remember correctly, it's a, there are a lot of educators in the neighborhood. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of educators. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next up is Charlie Walton. Charlie Walton was the first African-American to work the polls at the Glenview Precinct. Um, and then, like, as you just said, pretty much the residents were... Uh, teachers, educators, 
most of them had really respected degrees, like really, mm-hmm. really good degrees. And then uh, several like post office workers and some factory workers were more like it was mostly middle class, like professionals. Um, but then there was the um, post office workers, factory workers, that sort of thing. And they worked for like Harvester, people like that. Yeah. So finally we get to 1968, which was a landmark year for the neighborhood and the moment when it really switched over from like a white neighborhood to a black neighborhood. Uh-huh. After the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968, the National Guard actually occupied Glenview. So that was okay. one of the areas that they took over. The African-American residents had a curfew put on them, but the white residents didn't. Hmm. They could move around freely or they were escorted by the um, National Guard. And so the fact that the National Guard came in and that the Glenview neighborhood was part of that whole reaction to uh, Dr. King's assassination sort of clued in the remaining white families that, okay, everyone thinks this neighborhood is a black neighborhood. Yeah. So there was like a big push at that point to like sell homes and get out. And they would often leave them in bad repair. Because you're saying it was a curfew on the whole neighborhood of Glenview. That's what they, that's how they phrased it. No. It wasn't just black people. No, it was a curfew just on the black people. The white residents could move around within the neighborhood. Okay. But it kind of like, I think what it's trying to say is that that moment made them realize that Oh, outsiders see this neighborhood as black. Okay. Because, like, the National Guard came in and occupied it, and they were occupying black areas. And so they would leave, like, their homes with damage. Like, a lot of it was intentional so that the new owners would have to repair it. Um, There were instances of them, like, putting poop all over the walls. Really? To have to be cleaned by the new homeowners. Yeah. People that were going to sell their home? Yeah. Like they would sell it and then they would vandalize it before they left. Wow. Okay. People can be mean. Yeah. That is an integration story. Mm -hmm. And I really like did not, like I said, I thought I was just going to kind of like intro the episode, talk a little bit about the history of the neighborhood. And I know like you'll hear us talk a little bit about this kind of stuff with Tremika, but it was just, there's like so much more here than I thought. So this episode is going to be long, Yeah, but I think it's worth it. I mean, this is like the story of this neighborhood is really a microcosm of so much American history and Memphis history and like current events too, I think. Cause like we'll learn about what the neighborhood's like now. Uh, we are going to, like I said, take a tour of Chimika's house. Mm-hmm. But like this neighborhood is cool. Like they have home tours. Yeah. Um, like so, like they host these home tours every once in a while, and you can like go in and out of the houses and see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a beautiful neighborhood and. There are still a lot of really prominent families living there. I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating. Um, and I remember, I mean, I'm, I mentioned like tree lined, like a lot of nature in these neighborhoods, like yeah. so much so that they kept, I guess, like super old trees when they were building it. Because uh, I remember when we drove in, either when we drove in or I actually, Tremika took me over to Mount Zion. Uh, cemetery, which is going to be an upcoming episode. And at, at either driving in or on the way over there, uh, it's like this giant tree had fallen over from, um, what is this? What was the storm called? Tomley. Yeah, the Tomley storm. You mentioned uh, home tours. And I hope that other people go into depth in the history of their home as Tremika did. Because what was so amazing about the tour with Tremika, she knew the, like who the owners were from the beginning. And 
to be able to track down the history of your home that well uh, is impressive. And uh, she might be one of the very few people I know that's been able to do that. She has, like, all these old pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, she really gathered a ton of information. I don't know. And she's kept, like, so much of it as it was. But it's so interesting because she's also... So, I, we haven't mentioned this, I don't think, but Tremika is Moe's Bose's mom. That's right. And I, so... We don't even have to you know, intro who that is, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, he's our, like, Memphis entrepreneur, went on Shark Tank, I mean, amazing. He's not really a kid anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's his mom that owns his house. And, like, they both have, like, decorated it together. Like, uh, coming up next on the tape we're going to roll is our interview with Chamika. The three of us sat down to talk. Um, she shares the history of her house, going all the way back to the first owners. And then she takes us all around and shows us how she and Mo have really, like, kept the integrity and the history of the house, but mm-hmm. added their own, um, made their own mark on it yeah. as well. And we have lots of pictures, and we took them as we went through the tour in order. You'll probably even hear the shutter clicking on the tape. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you go to the show notes at memphistypehistory.com slash Glenview, you can follow along and look at the pictures um, while you listen to the tour portion of um, this episode, I, we did try to describe things. So um, you may not have to look at the pictures as you listen, but we are going to put the pictures on there in order so that you can. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I get distracted when I'm on tours and I just start looking and I don't <laughs> think yeah, about for real. what we're saying <laughs> to explain what we're talking about. That's it. So that's the history of the neighborhood. Uh, we're going to get some more from Tremika especially the history of her particular home. And then you're going to hear us go on a tour with her. Without further ado. Uh, keep listening. We're, but we're done with this part. <laughs> All right. So we're here today to talk to you about your historic home. And why don't you describe for us where we're sitting um, and just kind of set the scene. And then we'll start letting you tell us about your home and your neighborhood and how that relates to the history of Memphis. Well, we're sitting in the living room in my house that was built in 1950, custom built for a preacher and his wife. I can't remember the church that um, that it was built or that he was the pastor of. And one of the most significant things in the living room is this painting, which was from my gra- from my granddad's restaurant. Um, Lee's Lounge from 1960, and it's been in our family since since the 60s. It was in his first restaurant, and he w- then went on to have a couple of other restaurants. But um, I like to incorporate uh, a lot of cultural themes in my living room, a lot of art. Um, of course, Mo, being um, an awesome kid, has received several awards, so we have tons of re- rewards. Um, Let me just break in here and make sure everyone knows. Oh. This is Mo, uh, Moe's Bo's mom here that we're getting Mama to talk Mo, to here. Like yeah, to oh, Mama, Mama Mo. This is Mama Mo. Uh, we've, I mean, yeah, your living room is just beautiful. Thank it's, you. It's got beautiful prints on the couches. You've got a lot of artwork here. The hardwood floors have yes. been through a lot, but they're still they're still standing. And like I said, I told uh, Caitlin I had pictures from our oh, the previous owner, yes. and she sent, and you could see how amazing those floors. Beautiful. Those floors are there, um, and mm. I and, and since the house was built in 1950, I um, am the third owner. 
Okay. I'm the third owner since since then. I love that you know the whole the whole history yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. And I actually bought the house from a um, a lady who lived here with her two sisters, and I felt very connected because I have three sisters. Okay. Um, and I felt very connected, and it's a four bedroom, two car garage. It's all over just over two thousand square feet. And of course, it's a lot of space for just Mo and I. Right. But yeah. because I have such a big family, it was it was important for me to to get a house with with space. Yes. <laughs> well, whenever they're here, that makes a big difference, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, so I'm looking at the picture of the living room here and looking at the floors and how some of the things have changed. The fireplace. The fireplace, I just painted it red. Oh, wow. Okay. And you notice all the walls are white there. So, yes. And Mo even said, he's like, oh, it looks so plain. I said, well, it's white walls. So that kind of... <laughs> and they were teachers. They were all educators. And this mm. neighborhood back in, I guess, in 19... I'm, I'm trying to see. This is a picture of the outside. 74. I want to say it was in the 70s that um, white flight started to happen. So um, a lot of African-Americans started moving in. But... They were prominent African Americans, so mm. they were educators and postal workers, and um, and preachers okay. that lived in the neighborhood. And actually, as the neighborhood Glenview, the founder of Kojic of Church of God in Christ, his son was the first African American to actually move into the neighborhood. Wow! Over on Glenview Street. Wow. Can I ask real quick? Um, is it common, or was it common in with Memphis neighborhoods that you would have? Uh, areas where people of the same kind of career did kind of migrate in together? Absolutely, absolutely. Just be based on class. Okay. So it's just because they could afford it a little bit more. Certain neighborhoods slowly but surely opened up to African-Americans. So they were okay. able to afford it. And so most of them, um, especially the educators, this is a huge... Even now today, I have friends who are teachers that live around the corner. So I think it's just one of those things mm. that it started um, because uh, teachers were able to afford the, the area. They mm. uh, moved in and from there just kind of kind of kept going. And the ladies who I bought the house from were all three were, were teachers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then do you know much about their history owning the house? And then um, we can we can maybe talk about them and then we can go back to the first owners, mm-hmm. which is because mm-hmm. you're the third owner. I'm the third owner. And then maybe you can tell us just whatever you know will step back in time like that. Yep. So the ladies that I bought the house from is actually just one lady, her, one lady, her sisters that passed away. Mm-hmm. They um, moved in after their a couple of husbands. Well, there were three ladies. Um, um, and two husbands had passed away, and one one lady was divorced. Okay, and um, she was married. Um, she later married a, a another preacher. She she was a former first lady, and so she la- later married a preacher, which it's pretty cool because I found a lot of letters. <laughs> I found letters. letters, love letters. Oh wow! Written, and he was uh, he had written her from Chicago. He was in seminary school in Chicago. Okay, and I thought it was kind of funny that he wrote and said, even though you don't like to admit it, we've already consummated our love. So I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Ooh, you found some what is up with that? Yeah, I found it and I actually framed it. <laughs> I was like, what? So that was fun. Um, and so those ladies, one of the lady who actually bought it from, she had three children. Okay. And a set of twins that were girls. And I found report cards. They were very, they were like honor students. And of course, me being who I am, I looked them up like now. 
<laughs> and they are, you know, they're very successful attorneys. And I want to say they live out in California. The last wow. I, um, I saw an article where they were on the cover of Jet Magazine, I guess wow. from being just um, scholars. They have received like some amazing, actually I say, I take that back. One was an attorney and one's a doctor. They received like um, amazing scholarships or a lot of scholarships. Yeah. And so, of course, that really resonated with me because, and this is before I knew that Mo would be Mo's bows. So it was just yeah, telling them like, inspiration like, in this yeah, house. Or absolutely. Yes. And it's like there's such I mean, when I when I walked into the house it was um and that was in two thousand seven, it was filled with so much junk. I mean okay. you can tell like they had it just had not been taken care of. Yeah, I was curious when you said you yeah. were able to find report cards, that's yeah. I was just curious like, what, what, there was so much stuff in this house. And it not just in the attic, like it not was, just in the attic, it was just tons of stuff. Mo, do you mm-hmm. remember how much stuff was in the house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was junky, and he was little. I mean, I think so. Mo, he was he was he was a tiny kid. There was a hole in the ceiling, um, and I just I had a I just I had on my wish list that you know I wanted a two story, I wanted a garage, I wanted a patio and a porch, um, and then one of my, my realtor was just like, okay, well, you have a champagne taste with a Kool Aid pocketbook, so <laughs> you're gonna need to, you know, you're gonna need to settle on a few things. And I was like, I don't want to, you know, of course I wanted to be in the neighborhood. I wanted to be in Cooper Young, but not the price tag of Cooper Young. So this was um, just as good. And so anyways, it was filled with stuff. And I came in, the owner of the house actually lived in Chicago. And her son is a doctor here, um, Dr. Bill Hurd. He's a eye surgeon and and a a jazz musician. And so he, um, I called her and she's like, my nephew, not her son, I'm sorry, her nephew. She said, my nephew has the keys and he can show you, you know, show you the house. And he showed me the house and I was like, oh my God, I love this house. He literally gave me the keys that same day. Oh, he just gave me the keys. I mean, literally, I couldn't do anything. Right, (laughs) it was so much junk in here. Um, It was just, it it was insane. But I could see through the madness. You know, Mm -hmm. I knew it had good bones. It had good Mm -hmm. structure. Um, It didn't have a fence because I wanted a fence for Mo and a dog, and didn't have the front porch. But it's a patio this time. Mo, so that was what seven years? No. How many so years, ten years ago? Ten years ago. Yeah. So he's fifty. So he's five. Yeah. Yeah. He was five. I just remember seeing a picture of him in first grade underneath like my light switch, like taking a picture. He was standing underneath my light switch, and when he comes in now, he turns it on. He's like this much taller. Than, <laughs> he's so much taller than a light stress light switch. But I definitely wanted a house that um, that he could grow in. So mm-hmm. I was looking for something not just to just quickly move. It was something that I wanted to really stay in the family yes. yeah. um, as long as, you know, as long as possible. And I have lots of family. So. Um, so yeah, I bought it from the ladies and, um, and she, like I said, she had three kids, one son and two daughters. I'm not mm-hmm. sure about, about her son, but we talked extensively even after I bought the house. I called and checked, checked on her in, um, in Chicago. Okay. That's where she lived. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so the people before them, the original owners, the original owners were, um, were white, uh, a white couple of, um, a, a preacher and, and his wife. And, and as you, as you walk through the house, you'll see 
like you could tell the wife had a lot to do with some of the detail. I've, and I've tried to keep it as much as possible. Some of the original right down to the original stove that I they literally had to pry away from my kitchen. It just didn't work anymore. Yes. I fixed it as much as I could and I still have it. And my boyfriend's like, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. I just want to hold on to it. Yes. It's just this huge, huge stove. But I tried to keep it as much as much as possible. But you could see the uh, the custom aspects of you know the bathroom uh, knobs and the two it's so many mirrors it was so <laughs> so many mirrors in the house which I was just like I'm is sure later this one yeah this On is the, that was one of the ones yeah okay I said like, you could tell that a lady had a lot to do with <laughs> with designing you know with designing mm-hmm. the house just everything in it you know the the trash can has and for the fifties that was uh, you know I think they put a lot and then for this to be the only house. Um, with an attached garage, oh, wow. because I believe okay. they had obviously they had a little more money mm-hmm. as to do a custom build, you know, versus some of the other uh, other homes. And I think this was actually the last house built from talking to our, my neighbors. There was a corner store store here that um, was demolished and it was vacant for a long time. And then that's when the preacher and his wife um, came and bought the lot and built on it. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Is there anything else about the house in particular, the owners that you want to talk about before we go through and do a tour? Um, yeah, there's home? something interesting. I don't know so much about the owners versus um, the house has originally had five entrances. Whoa. Originally had five entrances. As you can see here, there was actually a screened in porch. So that room used to be a screened in porch uh, for the first oh. owners. And when the uh, the second owners bought it, it was just... A bunch of ladies and so they didn't think it was be it was be safe for you know just to have a an open porch and someone could just walk walk in um so they decided to to close it off okay. and of course I love being outside so I, yeah. I I attempted to try to get it open but there because we live in a historic district now there's a lot um of permits and all this other good stuff that you have to go through in order to oh, I'm like but I just this want to turn it back to the, I know yeah. I was like I just want to turn it to the original right <laughs> to the original um original photo so all right anyone in charge of that stuff who's listening yeah. to this you need to get on this porch problem <laughs> and it's such a nice screened in porch so and this year is this closer to what the house looked like when you moved in is yes, it was just 80s. Yeah, it looks like 82 is what it says on the, or 2002. I'm sorry. No, this is 2002. Um, and then the pet, we're going to go in, we're do a little tour, but mm-hmm. the pastor's study, there was an entrance that was closed off. So okay. that's there. Um, right on the outside there. So that people okay. could come in privately, privately. I guess. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. So that leaves three more entrances. Yep, so the screened in porch had one. Mm-hmm. So that's what, one, the front door, one, okay. two, three. Mm-hmm. And then the um, there's two on the back, okay. on the back of the house. It's funny because it looks big. It looks small, but then when you get in, I mean, on the oh, front. I think this looks big. Yeah, on the front, it looks kind of small, but when you get in, you're like, wait a minute, what's happening in here? So, yeah. Oh, and then the, the lady um, who I brought it from was, again, she was a preacher's wife. So, of course, they um, dressed really nice. So, she left a lot of old clothes in, in the house that I've gone through. And I've given some to one of my friends who has a vintage boutique, and I've kept I've kept some others that I cannot wear, but just having yeah. <laughs> having a lot that's original to the house is uh, is very important to me, yeah. including a, a bunch of pictures and 
It's amazing to me that so much was left behind even through another resident who was here. Yeah. And then stayed through until And then after here. they, mm-hmm. after the um, the lady who, she moved to Chicago, um, she actually started renting it out to some other students, or not students, to some other local teachers who just really didn't take care of it. So mm-hmm. um, that's when she decided to, um, I think there was like a small fire or something oh. here at okay. some point. Um, and in, in the, it has an attic fan too, and we'll see that in I, I can smell like the residue from the fire when I turn that attic fan on. Wow. But wow. that's what we what they used to cool off the house back in the day when they didn't have um, AC units. Okay. Um, and then one other thing on the as far as the exterior of the house, there were, and I don't know if you can see, there were um, like bars. They put, of course, bars on the, well, I don't even, what, what do you call them? Like the wrought iron yeah. bars. Are they like security bars? Security bars. Okay. But they decided to do something. The ladies that I bought the house from decided to do something really cool. And they did some custom bars for the outside of the house that weighed so much. Like literally, <sighs> my uncle went, because I was like, these windows are so beautiful. Let's remove those security bars. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, it's the front of the house. If someone's coming in, house and through the front then I mean (laughs) seriously you know so um but my when my uncle went to remove the bar like it literally took him to that that's how heavy it was and I asked the uh the previous owner about them and she said that um she of course they paid a lot of money for them and one year a guy from New Orleans came and knocked on the door and asked to buy like all of (laughs) all of this major heavy heavy wrought iron um and, you know, of course, they refused to sell it. But I thought that was pretty interesting that they had, you yeah. know, they put so much in it. They were huge and they were very beautiful. Um, a lot of detail into those bars. And you'll notice, too, the the outside address. So the seven, 1957 is very clear. Yes, it is. <laughs> right there. And then on here, I don't, I can't, you can't really see it. But and even right down to the street signs is different. Yeah. And then the, yes. the nice little, little, you know, car there as well. Yeah, it's rich history in this house. I uh, I, I just love it. <laughs> so cool. And then I have um, my granny's, one of my granny's best friends knew the ladies that lived here and because she's also an educator. Mm-hmm. And she just remembered having, she said that there was a piano. I don't see it, any pictures of it. Mm-hmm. She said that there was a piano um, in the house. And of course, I don't play piano. But mm-hmm. when I heard that, <laughs> I um, saw one. And then the state sale, because I love going to state sales for $75. And I was like, I no way. Like, I need Where that piano. Piano for seventy for seventy five bucks. I mean, they were. I guess they were just trying to get rid of. It. But luckily, my boyfriend is a musician and he plays keys, so I get to enjoy that. Oh, good. <laughs> so even though so I don't it's play a tuned piano, then. Mm-hmm. And he Yay, plays, so wow. he plays um, pretty yeah. well. Um, so yeah, so that's the history I know as far as the owners um, and, um, and and them purchasing purchasing the house. So let's talk about the uh, Glenview neighborhood. And why don't you tell us about this? I think this is probably a neighborhood a lot of us don't really know much about. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't heard of it before talking to you. And so I would love to just get schooled. Yeah, Glenview... this uh, this neighborhood, like I said, I when I first moved here and I moved to Memphis, I think in two thousand 
2004 and to the neighborhood in 2007. But I literally stalked the neighborhood just because of the the different style of of homes. I did not want to be in a neighborhood where there were cookie cutter homes. Yes. Um, and and I told my mom, I was like, if I have to live out east, I'd probably wake up every day and cry. <laughs> and not just, you know, just like in a neighborhood where it's just brand new. But I love the tree shaded streets. Like that was huge. Um, and just knowing that um, just on this very street, Joe Scott who was a part of the first Negro baseball league, lived on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, Earlise Taylor, who's just a renowned um, uh, opera singer, lives in this neighborhood. Um, Tennessee. She currently lives? She currently lives here. She, oh, mm-hmm. An opera singer. She, um, yeah. yeah, she does amazing. Oh, she's a, she's an amazing know, right? singer. <laughs> um, she, lives on, she lives on Glenview, and um, there's a historical marker on... Glenview Street. Yeah. There's a historical marker on Glenview Street where um, one of Tennessee Williams um, plays were. Tennessee Williams plays was done on um, a house uh, in the backyard. And I think that house is actually on. It's uh, 1780. Yeah. 1780 Glenview. Um, So, yeah, like I said, it has a historical marker in in the neighborhood. So and like I mentioned before, the um, the son of the founder of Kojic actually lived on that street. They didn't stay very long just because they were the first African-American family. So, of course, they had like, you know, I think there was a cross burned in their yard and Mm. the the neighbors were didn't take too well to them um to them so they eventually they eventually moved out of the neighborhood but mm-hmm. it's still they couldn't stop it so right. <laughs> african-americans still eventually um moved in and now it's pre- and for a long time it's really considered now a historically black neighborhood um but now you really couldn't tell because there's so it's it's mixed now like our neighbors are um they're white and across the street is um is a drug rehabilitation center that used to be a hospital for sick children, okay. but it's um, it's a very expensive and exclusive um, place <laughs> next door. Like it's expensive to to be over there. But um, so, anyways, you can just see now that the neighborhood has has gone from, of course, an all white neighborhood to an all black neighborhood to now in twenty seventeen. It's a mixed it's a mixed neighborhood. So. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, that's great to see. And this is a, a, just a flyer of a, a home tour when I was the chairperson for the home tour that I, I put together back in 09. And so, yeah, this is in 09. I moved in 07, so it didn't take me long to jump in there and, yeah. <laughs> and yes. start. You know, I've been a vice president. I've been the reporter for several years. I've been treasurer. I've just been as whatever I can do to keep the association, um, the Neighborhood Association, which I think we're coming up on our 50 years of the actual association. That's great. And it says here that this neighborhood has a really nice mix of uh, homes, like architectural examples, bungalows, craftsmen, um, colonial, Dutch colonial, Tudor, Spanish revival. It's very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm can just come and walk the streets and see a bunch of different absolutely. types of homes. Absolutely. Um, and the Memphis. porches. Yeah, only Memphis and the porches. Yeah. That's what I love about the neighborhood. Just so many different, um, you know, the amazing porches that they have um, with some with ceiling fans. And it's just a, it's just a great, a great neighborhood. Yeah. How would you describe sort of like the atmosphere or the feel of this neighborhood throughout time <laughs> um well since yeah well I well I'm not from I mean I didn't you know grow up in Memphis I only moved back 
um, just what since 2004. So, mm-hmm. um, from what I from what I understand, it's um, a, a bunch of African Americans who older who have left the homes to their children or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of still in the family for the most part. But um, again, most of us choose to live in Cordova or mm-hmm. Collierville. And so mm-hmm. some of the homes have just been kind of left to do, you know, whatever. So, um, but as far as the, the feel of the neighborhood, the neighbors, they um, take care of their yards and yeah, they're, um, and they're, they're mostly older too. Mm-hmm. Still, they're still most, mostly older neighbors, but it's still hit or miss. So like <laughs> this block is really great, but if you go maybe two blocks down, you may not want to <laughs> right. stay in that area too long. Um, but then like the mayor, uh, AC Wharton lives literally around the corner here. So oh, yeah. it's just, you know, right on Parkway. <laughs> so it's just, um, it's just a hit, you know, hit or miss, but because of we have the uh, neighborhood association, mm-hmm. we're able to kind of you know keep uh, I don't want to say control, but just pay attention to when there's blight and and really act. Uh, mm-hmm. We spring into action when there's an overcut you know overgrown yard or even right down to like garbage cans hadn't been picked up yet. So mm-hmm. like I've gone down and just picked up garbage can and taken them back of some houses that um, were abandoned. And so yeah, it's just the neighborhood association mainly is is the reason why I think the neighborhood continues to to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, we you know we host an annual fundraisers and this was a was a fundraiser as far as the, yeah. the garden walk and the home, the home tour mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about the general importance of historically white neighborhoods in memphis is that something you feel like the, you said the general importance of historic historically black neighborhoods mm-hmm. yeah i i find that memphis one we get a bad rap um, and I don't know, I feel because of the civil rights, of course, and Dr. Martin Luther King being here, I feel like there's been some kind of gloom over the city. A lot of the the um, folks that are originally from Memphis don't particularly care for it for some reason. But um, I think it's important to, to showcase African-American history or African-American neighborhoods just to show, if nothing else, our children that there's rich history in the city. Mm. Um, and, and from what I've read, Memphis is what the American South is one of the main cities of what the American South was made on, uh, made of back in the day. It was based off of folks looked to Memphis for fashion, for food, for culture, for music, um, for religion, for pretty much for everything. Um, it wasn't really just, you know, Atlanta, New Orleans, like Memphis was the stuff at one point. <laughs> um, but then, you know, a, a lot of stuff happened and, and that, that kind of changed. But but I, I think it's important to showcase neighborhoods um, like this just to show the diversity of the rich history mm-hmm. in Memphis. You were talking about people, you know, still going out to Cordova or yeah. wherever. Do mm-hmm. you feel like that's, you know, decreasing a little more and more or do you still feel like people? Are I feel like them? it's decreasing a little more and more. I know, especially since we have uh, like a thriving um, downtown now, a lot of folks yeah. moving more downtown. Of course, Cooper Young is amazing. And in this neighborhood, I um, I know a couple people who just recently and uh, folks like my age, typically um, it's an like I said, it's an older neighborhood. So um I don't know, African-American um, men and women in their 80s and 90s. And it's it's crazy. But every time I go to one of the meetings, it's like a moment of silence because someone mm. has passed away. Because they, you know, like folks love her. They live here until right. they, you know. So I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely coming back. And again, because Cooper Young is a little... Cl- 
you know, cluttered as well as expensive. This is literally right over the tracks. It's in the, <laughs> the yeah. next best, you know, the next best thing to me. And it's still close to everything. It's yeah. really close to downtown. It's just, it's close oh, to yeah. everything. It's just that because it's literally in the heart of the city, you get the airport. <laughs> so because yes. we do a lot of filming for TV shows, we're always having to pause because of airplanes. And then we're surrounded by like three major train. So trains. And then because it is the inner city, we get a lot of loud music yes. and <laughs> sirens. So it's the sounds of Memphis. It's the sounds of Memphis. <laughs> People and talk about the blues and rock and roll. Like, no, no, no. It's trains and it's planes trains and, and music. It's, it's everything. It's and it's, um, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like yeah. the, the train to me now is, just it means you know it's very soothing actually in the in the airplane so um it's uh it's it was the perfect place for us (laughs) for us to move so and then even with now mo being you know an international brand at this point everyone's like oh i know you're gonna move to collierville you're gonna move out to cordova it's like no Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. If he decides he wants to, um, you know, stay in the city or move back to the city. But Mm -hmm. I definitely want his grandchildren um, or his children even to to see the uh, amazing things that he's done living yeah. here yeah yeah i um, love that yeah well, you can <laughs> yes. pass down in your family where, where mm-hmm. you all started yeah and it's so cool like just to come back around even the beginning of our conversation like how y'all became a part of the history of this neighborhood yeah and that yeah, like, absolutely um that history of like people making change mm-hmm. doing stuff mm-hmm. and like that's mm-hmm. it's very cool so yeah of all the neighborhoods i'm glad this one was one that i didn't even know had the history that it did yeah um so i'm glad that we <laughs> that yeah. we chose this but i think even just with mo's bows and everything that's happened the most the the most uh, amazing thing for me and what i'm most proud of um is the fact that his bow ties have been inducted into the tennessee state museum yeah. so what? to see yeah to see to have them there and have his grandchildren just That's to have so family great. history yeah, so in a magazine in, in a museum is <laughs> and i was just like yeah but i'm at the president i'm like yeah but you're he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> realize how yeah, that is, is <laughs> you know so and that happened a couple of years ago i was just like everything else kind of you know it's great <laughs> but this is because I'm so passionate about just family history, yes. culture history, and just history period. So yeah. that's what's uh, that's one of the coolest things. Yeah. <laughs> and you told us uh, earlier that Mo himself is pretty active in the home. He yes. likes to rearrange furniture. Yes, take an active part. <laughs> He's yeah. yeah, he's very active in decorating. He's very mm-hmm. active in in choosing color. And because he's a designer, he mm-hmm. um, is an artist. And when we um, you'll go around the house, I still have artwork of his from when he was I don't know two and five and in school, and 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 it's framed. And that's for me um, showcasing him as an artist, um, as a designer, and just understanding when he was you know, four and said, I want to start doing ties or I want to start dressing really nice Mm. for, it was important for me to, to utilize the resources that I have, utilize the family and the um, the village of people that I brought, I mean, I built for him to, uh, to pull that out, to nurture those talents and gifts that he imagined in his, in his head. So, so, you know, when he was four years old or nine years old um so yeah (laughs) and i love that you curated that like you 
<laughs> well, and the way that you made this house too, it shows that you have such a great design aesthetic as well. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing. I feel like I'm an artist, but I'm you like, are. of what sort? <laughs> you know, like I don't draw, I don't paint. I, I used to write poetry a while ago, but I think for me, I just, I want pieces that make me feel a certain way. And I, it looks like I, I um, passed that down to Mo when we first came into the house. I said, there's something about this house that speaks to me, Mo. Yeah. And he's, you know, what, five. So he's like, Mama, <laughs> houses don't talk. It's <laughs> like, houses don't talk. I was like, no, but this house, it speaks to me. And uh, later on, when he started the business, I heard him saying to um, to someone who was interviewing, and he's like, I don't know. I just look for fabric that speaks to me. Mm. I was uh, like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Fabric don't talk, Mo. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah, he's, uh, he's, and we, you know, we do a lot of state sales shopping. So he, he definitely understands and appreciates the classic um, prints and classic vintage and historic um, district just because he's just kind of been stuck with it through yes. his mom yes <laughs> we could go ahead and do a little walkthrough tour and then if mo wants to jump on and tell us his feelings on the house we'd love yeah, you know, or his, a little story or a favorite room mm-hmm. or something like that okay. that'd be great yeah so we're gonna take a little tour now with Tramika. she's gonna show us around her house point out her favorite things mm-hmm. favorite little historical pieces um show us what she's done decorating wise and i think y'all are gonna love it so if you mm-hmm. go to memphistypehistory.com slash glenview g-l-e-n-v-i-e-w you can see show notes and photos of our house tour that we're about to go on. Perfect. Let's, so, let's, let's do it. So I like to start my tour when we, um, I've, I love giving tours, even of people who don't even ask for tours of my house, I like to give tours <laughs> of the house. But I like to start in the living room, obviously, and point out the um, the crown molding at the, at the top. Again, original to the house, the fireplace um, as well. And then the ceiling, which I don't know really what that tile is but I did find some extras in the in the attic and I was able to use some of those to replace in my bedroom it's the same in, in yeah. the bedroom and in the ceiling I mean in the um, living room and then right here right off the uh, off of, right off of the living room is what used to be that screened in porch which okay. has now been just storage now so okay that's um that's that and then they of course they put what is that um, paneling? Put the wood, wood paneling in. Um, also, there's uh, the the chandelier is still the the original chandelier here, and the matching one in the um, in the dining room. And I like to um, I have these uh, Bibles that I'm especially excited about. They belong to my great grandfather, who was a preacher in oh, Mississippi. Wow. And these and are Bibles that you keep on top of your piano. I forget that yeah. this is not video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. These are uh, Bibles that I got from Granny um, that I keep on top of uh, on top of the piano. So any type of family history, I'm always excited to to, sh- to have and showcase. And I love are, these little, this detail. You've got so, uh, three rows or columns, rose columns yeah. of, of ca- rose. tea light. Of tea light candles, candles. that I actually yes. made as a home uh, DIY project <laughs> that I saw. And when I lived in Minneapolis, I uh, went to a restaurant and they just had these really cool tea lights. And it's pretty cool because when it light there, uh, well, with my walls being a, I don't know, just a goldish yellow, with the tea light uh, being a red candle holder, it illuminates a nice bright red onto the yellow. Smart. And so the whole thing um, lights up. And I like to try to keep um, 
I think my colors are like a yellow and red and then I like to throw in pops of like blue and, and oranges um, and this picture this painting actually my aunt gave me that someone had gave her <laughs> and it's a kitchen looks like a kitchen cabinet that oh, someone yeah. has just done an amazing abstract uh, of a painting painting to and she's like I don't know what to do with it and I was like I do so <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect spot man. So yeah, that's beautiful. And this son as well as that picture both were in my um, in my granny's first restaurant and that was located on Lauderdale um, Lauderdale Avenue in Memphis in, in the sixties. So that um, that that's son the sun artwork on the wall. I love that sun. It's um, it just it gives me a lot of energy. Yeah. Just nice it's, and bright. Beautiful. And the restaurant, what was it like? I, I don't know. She, I do have pictures of it. Uh, it was called Lee's Lounge. I later turned one of my bedrooms upstairs to Lee's Lounge. I turned it just, and it's just a place for us to hang out and listen to records and have beer. <laughs> oh, so great. Does this record player work? No, that doesn't. That's beautiful. Mo, Mo actually bought that for me one Mother's Day. <laughs> and so we'll go into what we call our office now, but was Aww. the pastor's pastor's study we've kept uh, obviously the the uh, paneling that yeah. was was in here and i'm trying to see if we stand here we'll be able to see the picture that i got so that's this room then this is this room oh wow and so it had um you know orange and this chair actually was I still left in the house and so i do have that chair upstairs mm -hmm. as well so this is um obviously where we do all of our magic. Yeah, <laughs> yes. This is where the uh, the bow, uh, the production of, um, or the processing of Shark uh, bow ties. That's where y'all started, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all of that. So this was, uh, so yeah, this was uh, obviously their den. At one point, this was the den for us too. And actually, uh, we had a blue couch um, when we first moved here that would sit on this on this um, side of the room, mm -hmm. and. I remember when we were coming up with Moe's Bows, trying to figure out the name of the company. Moe's like, oh, I just want to start making bow ties. And and I, my boyfriend was like, oh, what do we want to call it? And Moe walks in and and said, Moe, what do we, should we say? Moe's Bow Ties or Bow Ties by Moe? And just as a matter of fact, like he says, let's just call it Moe's Bows. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, my name is Mo, and that makes sense. So, um, he so had that X, he had that, was it the X factor from the beginning? Just, just really quick. And I was like, and we had been thinking about it for a long time. I'm like, oh, what do we want to call it? Um, and then this is closed off here, but this is a, another door that leads to the hallway. Okay. And so we have Now, did you sew too, or? No, I had to learn how to sew when Mo decided the to, when we decided to do the business because he'd be nine years old with orders, but he wanted to go out and play football with his friends. So in my mind, I'm like, you gotta, we gotta, you know, and then he's like, can't you do it? Well, I don't know how to sew. So, um, <laughs> so I had to learn how to sew in order to keep up with, with orders. So well, you've done I sew bow ties is, <laughs> is, a, is, is about it. So we'll go down here to the hallway. Um, great closet. It's just full of crap. I don't even know if I can even open it anymore. Doors are got original, aren't they? Yes, original yes. doors. Absolutely. Um, and you've got wide, I guess, is this wood paneling really wide? Wood paneling or what is? I'm not sure. This is, is wallpaper. This? It's definitely oh, wallpaper, wallpaper, but okay. I don't um, know what's behind it. I mean, it's just wall. 
But you could see, yeah, that it's it's definitely wallpaper, and I want to say maybe even painted over. Okay, yeah, because it's got some kind of regular. Yeah. But it looks like. Um, and then you've got a bunch of pictures here in the hallway. I have like a bunch of pictures in the hallway. Yeah, so and I think like this black and white, black and white photos of of great musicians. Um, Cableton's a reggae musician, of course. The Jackson Five, Bob Marley, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder. Uh, um, but sprinkled into my collage of black and white photos are photos of my family as well. So there's a picture of Mo and I when he was younger, a picture of Mo and his friend in Minneapolis. And then right in the center is a, a photo of my dad with, um, with Mo and my brother. So it's interesting that Mo's uncle is <laughs> a month uh, younger than him. Um, <laughs> and then a picture of my sister. Um, so it, it, it was important for me to include family photos in with the other uh, great musicians and uh, other greats here just to show Mo that, you know, for me, he, he comes from greatness. You come from a, a line of people who were, who were innovators, who were, you know, amazing musicians, who were entrepreneurs. Um, and so, it, and for me, he grew up seeing these images as if, you know, that's who I am. That's what I'm destined to do. That's what I'm destined to be. I'm going to be great like the Jacksons, whether it's music or not. Um, and he just happened to be great at fashion. But um, just the, having his photos in with um, the of celebrities was, um, was done on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Was done on purpose. And then we have a, a, a candle, um, a, to a turtle. A lamp that was gifted to me for a birthday gift. I've collected turtles since I was um, 15. <laughs> was this originally a station for a phone? It is a phone book. Yes, absolutely. Right Again, one of the one of the very cool features that um, that drew me to the house. It's like, oh my god, it's a telephone book. Um, yeah, so, so darling. Yes. So that. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's original to to the house as well. And then we are here in Mo's room. Mo. Are you here? <laughs> this is Mo's room, which, can we come in or? Just give It's totally fine <laughs> if we. Um, this room, <laughs> Mo, do you want to share a little bit about your room? Well, come I on. changed my room about three different times. First it was like an off-white, <laughs> and then it was blue, and then it was orange, and it'll probably be like blue, blue again. You don't mind changing the color? No. <laughs> He changes the color. He changed. How often do you change your furniture around? Uh, I just changed it around yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much every month. And what about this painting above your bed, Mo? Or this picture above your bed? My dad gave me this vintage antique painting uh, from my grandmother. From your great, I think it was his great grandmother who recently passed away. So mm -hmm. his dad brought that that photo and I was surprised that Mo was like uh, those people in the family or no no oh, okay. it was just a picture that was at her house like, yeah I was surprised that great. he cared enough to even because I was thinking okay great now we're gonna have to put this we're gonna have to find a place to put this this painting but I came in and he had already somehow nailed it to the <laughs> um. to the wall um he, he and and he I said are you gonna keep it he's like yeah you know he's gonna keep it keep it with him so which is yeah. which is great. So he's kind of done his own decorating. I see a picture of him when he was, I think, three, <laughs> in a nice little suit um, above <laughs> above the window. Looks like one of his awards that he's received, a key to the city. And we went to Lafayette um, 
Louisiana. Yeah. And then um, he's a m mom is a bit of a hoarder, and I like to say Mo is a bit too. I've kind of passed that down. Is that right, Mo, or no? Yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> so he collects stuff, and I'm always like going through. It's like you could throw this away, and he's like, No, I want to hold on to that. <laughs> uh, originally added his couch to the room. So I like the couch. Yeah. Very fun. And I decorated with lights too, so oh. that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And your door. My door. Oh, yeah. I love the door. Very personalized. Yeah. How yeah. long have you been putting stickers on there? Uh, I want to say since I moved in, but I had a weird obsession with my tires. It's my tires. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. A weird the first, obsession. My eyes went first to my Cyrus, get out, adore you. Yeah, he's just, and that, I think that's been one of the big things about about our house. There are like no rules when it comes to decorating. Love it. We write on the walls, we paint any color. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason. So, um, and then this um, is a really cool piece that one of his first pieces got from Frank Robertson, Robertson, um, Robinson, who is an amazing artist here in Memphis. So, uh, Mo picked that out. I think he was probably like. And he did the picture in the bathroom. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the back. And Mo picked that out. That was um, something special for him that he picked out when he was like 10. And I was just interested that he cared enough about, you know, about art versus like little trinkets that was able to be, you know, that yeah. um, that they were selling at a market. And he, he picked that up and of course he had some little stickers. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're Can I take a couple pictures in yeah. here? Is that okay with you? Mm -hmm. I just want to get this. Um, you can, y'all okay. I'll follow when I get this room. So, and then, so we have four bedroom, four bedroom, two bath. Bedroom, two bath, and okay. I, uh, I we only recently changed from a pedal stool, pedal stool sink <laughs> to this bigger uh, okay. vanity because uh, it, the the sink just got too old and it couldn't. It's yeah. um, a smart move though. You get more storage. Yeah, space more storage that. space in it. And then this is a painting. This is a, another um, from a local artist that uh, is yeah. that is just amazing. I this. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says, "My life matters. Stop the war against black people." And um, I bought this. He looks like he did it in 2014. I bought it maybe a year ago, but I bought it with in mind that I would send it off to college with Mo. It would be something yeah. from the house that he would um, that he would take. And then I really like the fact that it that's had a bow tie. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. I like the fact that it had a nice, colorful, um, a nice, mm -hmm. colorful bow tie. So. Um, and then this this room was like a really weird teal blue, and then we painted the walls white, and I just haven't been decided on what. But the tile here is still, and then of course this little uh, uh, heater. This is a nice heater that, that yeah. heats up. Um, In the bathroom. So yeah, yeah, this is the bathroom. It's two bedroom, no, two bath, four bedroom. And actually, because the um, the study or our office has a closet, it's considered a bedroom as well. Oh, right. So, so even in the 50s, that's the way it was considered. Right. A closet mm -hmm. was a bedroom. So technically, like, that's why our house didn't have very many closets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a couple of uh, paintings in the uh, in the hallway. One that um, my friend uh, Lewis Burton actually did of me. Wow. He's in a mystery man. <laughs> a mystery man. <laughs> we, all, we all need one of those paintings. It's a really nice um, 
guess what is it? Just drawing? It's drawing. It's a yeah. pencil drawing, but unlike but a nice floral paper. The paper, really the paper is very nice. So it's, it's really unique looking. I just want to make sure we describe it because I'm going to include a picture oh. yeah. in the show notes, but it, I don't know if it'll translate, so I want to make sure everyone knows. So this is a, a work in progress here. I'm in the process of changing the color from green, which is my favorite color. See, I was thinking of a blue, but because I love green so much, <laughs> nice. I'm thinking either I keep the color, just redo it, or go with another uh, yeah. another green. So, um, and so this is my bedroom that I um, like to call my sanctuary when it's clean and it's not really got stuff all over the place. But I like to take it, bring in. Um, vintage pieces or antique pieces with modern pieces. Mm -hmm. And this um, this uh, face bowl is actually uh, been in our family again since, uh, I wanna say since the 50s. Um, I'm yeah. not sure who bought it, but it came from my uncle who passed away to my aunt and then she she gave it to me, so. And it's the kind that are the little portable sinks mm -hmm. with the, the oval mirror. With the mirror and then little and candle. Uh, that's candle what I wonder. And then a space for the um, your towels for the towels, yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, it's pretty dusty, but super portable. <laughs> something you'd only see in an antique shop, probably. Yeah, definitely not. A nice bowl filled with lotions and soaps that we <laughs> on the shelf below. And your turtle, your little collection yeah, of turtles. Yeah, I've been collecting turtles, and I've had so many. I've had so many turtles that I've started actually for um, birthday gifts, kind of re-gifting. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm just like, you know, when Mo's granny passed away, she had so much stuff. She had been collecting, I think, owls and rabbits or something, and they were just kind of left in our house. And I said, I mean, literally, you can't take it with you. And I've enjoyed these turtles, so I just, you know, when it's an anniversary or a birthday, in addition to a real gift, I've been re-gifting <laughs> um, some of my turtles that just, you know, uh, fit the personality of friends and with and I think I the last I counted I had 50 so I'm like it's time oh to, yeah yeah I mean <laughs> since high school I've been collecting them so I was like it's time to start getting rid of these uh, <laughs> so yeah I like to incorporate again you know vintage as well as like new you know new prints so yeah. those chairs I got yeah the chairs the are gorgeous um, that's an old um, sewing machine here that oh, um, it's a singer yeah. sewing machine the kind that you pedal with your foot mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. like back in, in my mind initially it's so cluttered now but in my mind initially I thought about turning it into like a vanity and having like a little mirror yeah. that that project just never never came about <laughs> but uh, this hat is as uh, dusty as it is was original to the house so that was that part hat. of one of the yeah that was part of the uh, one of the pieces that was um, that was left from the previous owner she had so many so many great clothes I um, decided to take a you know, take the hat and kind of incorporate it into. Yeah. Um, it looks good next own. to that um, floral record player. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which I Very nice. Um, and then another thing, of course, another really great mirror. Uh, but um, <laughs> there's two closets in here, which was uh, which was great because most of the homes and my neighbors complain about not having enough closet space. That's right. So to to get two um, closets in the master bedroom was was pretty good and it's a nice size too it just kind of stretches it's really very nice the size of the, the side of, of the house so that brings us to in. the kitchen which is in the back of the house which is in the back of the house 
don't know much about this. I mean, nothing much to say about this besides, again, they made me get rid of my stove. Um, <laughs> the counters are fun red. Yeah, the counters are red, and this was, uh, again, this is was original uh, to uh, to the house. They had red, um, red, and I think there was two red chandeliers, um, really hard, really heavy, and I want to say I still have one of them, that were here, um, two light fixtures, one here, one here. Um, and Mo recently broke that one. But um, all of the, the cabinets, I just wanted to kind of keep as much as never, much as possible. I've never seen a refrigerator look like this before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I bought this one specifically because it's uh, it's a, it's, it's called entertainment refrigerator, so you can actually put margarita, <laughs> margarita mix, <laughs> or Kool Aid, or lemonade, or iced tea, or whatever you want on the uh, on the uh, on the side of there. But I'm gonna look up entertainment <laughs> refrigerator. Entertainment refrigerator. And what, what's really cool is um, what I have. Um, literally, I think is my most prized possession in the house are these glasses that I got from my granny. She held on to these. Um, I have six of them. She held on to these. These were from the 50s. In the 50s, Tide washing powder would give these in their washing powder. Like it came with the laundry detergent. What a nice gift. Yeah. It's an actual glass with a really cool um, lady on it. It's And Granny held on to all these, you know, six glasses. Um, she never drank them. She just held them. And I'm like, Granny, why were you holding? She's like, I just thought it was a, it was, you know, thought yeah. it was pretty nice. And I said, Granny, how would you know to hold on to these glasses? And then you'd have a granddaughter who loves vintage yeah. things with a house that was built in the 50s with a red kitchen. <laughs> so I, was like, I need those glasses. Um, so she uh, she gave me those glasses. It's, they are glasses. I was, was thinking maybe they were plastic. Yeah, no, they are glass. glass. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. You take a picture. No, 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 but, no, no. Um, so yeah, this is a, the kitchen. It's kind of small in my opinion, but you know, again, it works for us. It gets the, the job done. Yeah, really gets the job done. Our neighbor is, is an artist um, behind us. So she um, came over and she... Um, or penciled um, the outline of this this phrase, mm -hmm. and then Mo and I went back and painted um, a nice, you know, I guess teal blue. Mm -hmm. The phrase that says the pride of a nation is its is its youth is a Swahili proverb, and it matches the the ceiling in that yeah. same blue. Um, of course, along with the the curtains that we have. We haven't. It, it's just important for me to have a lot of color in the house. Oh, and again, yeah. like I said, there's no rules. So yeah. put put what you want on the um, you know on the wall. And then this uh, back here is a complete mess. But this is where those two entrances. Okay. There's another two entrances okay. here. So that puts us at one and two. Um, so that goes out to the back patio, and that goes out to the backyard. And then the, do you know anything about these floors? I don't know. I don't know anything about the floors. I know it was done from the second owners, and they did this tile along with the tile that was the same tile was on the front porch leading up to the front porch. Okay. Actually, I think it's still on the front porch, but leading there was a walkway leading up to the front porch that they did this. And this is something that, like in the because even my granny has it. She did it in the seventies. This is something that that was really popular, like the broken. The broken tile look was really, um, really popular in the, in the 70s. And this is one of those paintings that I <laughs> that I've saved of, of Mo's, a masterpiece <laughs> by Mosiah Bridges. And then this is our, our obviously the dining room. 
the dining room, which is, um, I don't know, it's, I, I kept a, the white walls that, that they had initially in here and painted one wall yellow. Um, very excited about the sideboard, this black sideboard that I, it was wood initially and I painted it black and added some yellow, some yellow. Oh, you nonsense. painted this? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I painted that black and added some yellow, um, some yellow knobs on it to kind of go in. This is where it's really crappy the way it's fixed up, but was this is where a, that hole yeah. was. Oh, the that's hole. where that hole in the, in, the, in the house was. And um, even my mom's just like, I can't believe you're gonna buy that house. There's a hole in the ceiling. Because you can't fix holes, apparently, um, <laughs> in, in the ceiling. Um, so, <laughs> so this is, uh, and this is, uh, this is one of my favorite rooms just because there's been so many dinners around the table and, and talking with the previous owner and she was saying how she enjoyed the dining room because, I mean, especially as an African-American family in the South, cooking is huge. You know, my, my dad's a chef, my granny owned restaurants and lounges, so food is very important to us. <laughs> so uh, we've had uh, many, many birthday dinners and just many great dinners around the, the dining room table. Um, and then because my house is centrally located, this is where we've had several baby showers and bridal showers and birthday parties and tons of um, celebrating has taken place in this yeah. <laughs> in this house because of the because of the size and because it's it's centrally um it's centrally located and then we uh, we can head upstairs so oh, I'm this like, is a dream office <laughs> yeah this is fantastic dream office yeah Jeez. and I chose the yellow color because it's supposed to you know it's um spark creativity so yeah. Um, oh, who made the thing? Um, Sir Walt, there's a, a guy that does mud work. So he uses like uh, the mud that you fix on houses with or whatever. I don't know. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? That. What is that called? I guess it's just mudding. Yeah. yeah, mudding the water. But he uses that and he creates um, these amazing paintings. And so he did that of, of Mo for, I want to say it's his 13th birthday. Oh. Which is pretty cool. But Okay, so I'm very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here I'll show you really good. Uh, the Leaf Lounge. So we have record and basically what happens is I have my friends come in and they write their names on the back of the door to kind of pay tribute to their grandparents because Lee was my, my granddad. So we have tons of, you can see here, tons of signatures and whatnot on the uh, on the back of the door. This is this essentially... Is so cool. Yeah, so this is my idea of what Lee's Lounge would have been. Oh. <laughs> so we put the grandparents either on the door, it looks like it's, well, some room there, on the door, but we also do sayings as mm. well. So either, you know, you do your grandparents oh, or... the grandparents. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So these are our grandparents. And um, that's how Lee did it? Lee, well, no, this is just my, my thing because Lee is my grandfather and Lee's Lounge was from mm -hmm. him. Um, so we decided, so of course here's a, this is Lee here, <laughs> Lee Walker Sr. So I have like all of my different uh, generations here. But your, um, so yeah, this is for, for uh, to write your grandparents. And then, you know, we have um, sayings of music lyrics and, and all that other stuff on the, on the wall as well. I was up here one day and I was thinking, you know, what if the same way I knew people who came and wrote on the wall, like what if these people knew each other? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, there was uh, the Bogart, Bogart brothers and Fat Sonny, great sax player from Mel, you know, Orange Mound. Yeah, this was, so this was another bedroom, which, again, great mirrors. <laughs> I know. They're <laughs> everywhere. Oh, these mirrors. 
Um, so yeah, uh, one of the upstairs bedroom, um, and then just again the size. Yeah, the, uh, the size of, of the of the bedrooms are are, are really nice, and, and the closets. And you get the t- extra tall ceilings. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. Or at least it's it's got the roof line ceilings. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is really awesome office. And this is a. Um, table that was actually given to me as a housewarming oh. um, and um, one of my friends her parents had it in their house from the 50s and again I told her it was like my kitchen's red and she said I have this vintage table that I'd love to love to give you so that stayed in the kitchen for a very long time and we just recently uh, moved it that's moved it up here that's so cute and uh, my boyfriend actually made this desk for me I said well it's just plain and simple but yes Turned out really, really great, so I'm so excited about it. I can actually get work done, too. <laughs> yes, for real. Having your own space makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. Oh, and this is the, the attic fan, too. Have you heard of the attic fan? Or no. So, basically, what happens is you let all the windows up, and the uh, the attic fan, it sucks all of the air, all of the hot air, out of the top of the house and pulls cool air in through through the window. So, wow. we'll, we'll try it out. If you stand here... Whoa! Isn't that amazing? It's like a windstorm. Yeah, it feels so good. Oh, so I need some tuning, but that is incredible. I love sitting there feeling that breeze come through. Yes, this is incredible to me. I had no idea. <laughs> and that's what they used to pull off the, the house back in the day before they yeah. had like window units or central air. And if you sit here, you can kind of feel a cool breeze. It is cool. Yeah. And you open up all the doors and all of the windows, and you just kind of let that, it's taking all the hot air out, and the cool air is kind of kind of coming in. That is incredible. So that was the thing when I, I said when I, um, when I turned it on. Um, you could smell, though, like there was a, you know, there you could tell that there was like a fire at some point. Ah. Um, uh. So yeah, that's a uh, very pink bathroom <laughs> that uh, that the ladies painted because their daughters. I told you they had two da- two girls. Yes. That lived in uh, each of the bedrooms. So that was their that was their bedroom. I mean bathroom. Well, this has been fantastic. I have to say, I love the history in general. I think my favorite parts personally have been all the artwork that you've collected here yes. and that attic fan. Oh, and that attic <laughs> I just find that really incredible because, you know, you go in older houses these days and you think, oh, how did they stand it without air conditioning? Yeah. But then you start to uncover the way they were built and stuff like that mm-hmm. really Which did. great. And it just feels good to sit that. I would sit next to the, uh, in front of the window in one of those old rocking chairs and just kind of let that breeze come in. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, so yeah, I think that is the tour. Sorry, it's a little long-winded there, but. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and we're, we'll have pictures on show notes at memphistypehistory.com slash Glenview. And you can see Tramika's home and everything we've been talking about. And that is Memphis Type History, the podcast. We like your type. <laughs> You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, 
and on Twitter at Memphis Type. For all you listeners out there, I just want to send out a quick shout out to our supporters on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You've probably heard us mention it at the end of every episode because we cannot survive uh, after a certain amount of time uh, unless you help support us uh, because when the run- money runs out, that means we're going to have to stop. And the truth is, is we don't we don't want to um, necessarily stop because there's so much information in Memphis to cover. And you can be one of those supporters for just $1 a month. That's all it takes. It's, just, it's as little as that $1 a month. Uh, And if we get enough of you to do that, we can cover all our expenses. If you feel really generous, you can donate more than that. You can donate up to $1,000 a month if you really want to. $5, $10. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Memphis Type History. Check out the goodies that you can get for being a supporter. And like I said, with just a dollar, you get something. Moral of the story. Support us. Go to patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. Look at the stash of goodies we have to offer. Decide which one you want most to make your heart the most happy. And just know that your hearts happy make our hearts happy. Thank you.